last the last Sunday and and this Sunday sort of feel like a, a sort of two one off sermons, I suppose. Um, next Sunday we have, uh, as as Amy has said, we have Ross McBride from Port Elam. Uh, and the Sunday after that, we have uh, good friends from London are going to be here. They're going to be at the castle, and they're going to come. And uh, well, one of them, Paul, Paul Harper, is going to come and speak uh, the Sunday after that. And just in case, just in case anybody happened to see the news this week of the homeless couple that got married, uh, that got married in London, the, an outreach worker from a, a church in London met this couple in the street that had been engaged, fell on hard times, but had been living in the streets. And, uh, and the church raised the money, and the church put on a really incredible wedding for them. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go and, go and check that out on the BBC website. And you will notice Paul Harper was the guy that married this two, these two people, this man and woman. So, uh, so he's going to be with us in two weeks' time. Um, and then we're going to pick up a series that's going to bring us right up into Easter. Um, I think I said this last year, but I'm going to say it again this year. I'm, I feel more excited about Easter and the whole idea of the cross and resurrection this year than I've ever had before. And if I said it last year, I still mean it as much as a, I still mean it as much this year. So excited about about Easter time. Uh, but last week we last week we were talking about hunger. Last week we were talking about thirst. We were, we were posing the question: How how is your appetite? How is your appetite? We challenged, we challenged each other with a few questions, with a few thoughts concerning uh, our appetite. We suggested that maybe we have no appetite because we are being satisfied by something else. There is no appetite in us for the things of God. There's no appetite for, for coming to pray on Wednesday nights. There's no appetite to come and, and, and hear what he wants to say to his people, through his people. There's a lack of an appetite because we were being satisfied by something else. We're finding we're, we're posing the question. We used David as the example. David was sick last week, and, and I'm pretty sure David had a little to no appetite last uh, last Sunday. We talked about that spiritual sickness leaves you with no appetite whatsoever. We spoke about uh, we spoke two examples of unbelief and unforgiveness. The spiritual sickness that leaves us with no appetite. And we also talked about this idea of with no appetite for good, healthy things because we've filled ourselves up on, on junk food. We made this statement that the tragedy, the tra- real tragedy in the church today is not a spiritual famine, but a famine without hunger and a dryness without thirst. That Wednesday week ago, we had been inspired by the story of the two old ladies um, that that just were so desperate, so hungry for an outpouring of God on their island that for two nights a week from 10 o'clock at night to 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, they, this 84-year-old woman, this 82-year-old woman, one of them was blind, got down on their knees and cried out. They were just consumed with desire, consumed with zeal so hungry for God to do something that would change the whole atmosphere on, on their island. As I've read through some, some stuff this week, I've been reading through a bit of A.W. Tozer. And uh, 
And, and I've just been thinking through this idea that every generation, it seems to me, we're looking at the Hebrides, it was 1949. We think of A.W. Tozer, it was over 100 years ago when he was ministering. And, uh, but he's, he's quite passionate around this area. He's, he's led me to believe and seek pretty clear that, clearly that every generation faces the consequences of a lack of hunger, of a lack of zeal, of a lack of desire. Every generation seems to face the consequences of a lack of that. And Tozer, he, he, he says this in one, of his, in one of his writings, we bother ourselves very little with, an, with the absence of personal experience. We bother ourselves very little with, an, with the absence of personal experience. Now that I quote, that, that I wrestle with that for a few days. And if I'm being really honest, there's times where I, where I listen in on other people. There's times where I'm, I'm watching other people's experience of the Holy Spirit, of their experience of intimacy with the Father, and, and I find myself just almost coveting. I want what others have. And there's been moments over the last couple of weeks where, where God, in, in, in a way that only He can do. And if you tried to, to do it, if you tried to say the things sometimes that I feel God's saying to me, we would not be friends for too long. But he's the way of just being so gracious and so kind and so good and, and just revealing to me that every time I find myself almost coveting somebody else's gifting or somebody else's relationship with God or someone else's experience with him, I find myself going back to this thing. I'm just, they're hungrier than me. They're so much hungrier than I am. And they're having these experiences, they're having these encounters, they're having these revelations because they're desperate, they're hungry, they're longing for more of Jesus. They keep on responding to his invitation, if you're thirsty, come. Isaiah the prophet said the same thing, if you're thirsty, come. The psalmist over and over again showed this thirst, longing for you, God. My tongue is lying open. My mouth's open. My tongue's out. I'm panting for your word, for your revelation, for your goodness to be made known. Tozer also goes on to say that in this, in this dark day, that's the language he uses, in this dark day, we have our teaching done by teachers. Now be, be careful here because every, everything, everything, this, again, this is Tozer's language, uh, trying to get myself out of it. Tozer said that everything is made to center around a decision, a one-off decision to accept Jesus as Savior. And please don't mishear me. That is so important. Of course it is. So important that we make that decision to follow Jesus, to accept Jesus. But the problem is we make that the end goal. Everything else is a means to an end. Everything else is to get this decision to accept Jesus. The problem with that is that there is no expectation for further revelation. There's no expectation to, to crave a further revelation of who he is. And again, I'm quoting Tozer. He says, the stiff wooden quality of our Christian lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. And so as I read through, as I read through the Gospels and and often I see Jesus, almost as Jesus is posturing himself 
in a way that, that would suggest that he is waiting to be wanted. Think specifically, I suppose, of the Emmaus road. Jesus is, he has risen from the dead. But, but there's two disciples have made their way back to their hometown. Jesus has died. He's in the grave. They don't know that he has risen. And they make their way back home, despondent, low, down. Jesus comes and walks along with them. And their hearts burn within them. As, as Jesus talks to them about the scripture. And it gets to the place where the, the two disciples um, arrive back at home. And Jesus lets on. It's, it's, it says something like that in, the, in Luke 24. Jesus lets on that he's going to go on further. And, it's not, and, and uh, he's waiting. He's waiting to be wanted. He lets on that, the, that he's going to go further until he gets that invitation from these two disciples. No, come back. Come back and tell us some more. He waits for invite. I think James, the brother of Jesus, possibly recognized something in this when he said in James 4, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't, you don't, you don't have the things of, of God because you haven't went after them. You haven't sought them. You haven't been burning with this holy desire. So all of that to say, to introduce, or to summarize, sorry, last, last week, how's your appetite? Where is your appetite? Where is that hunger? Where is that thirst leading you? Where is it taking you? Jesus said in, the, in his sermon on the mount, blessed are those happy, rewarded are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be satisfied. And so this morning, in, in the time that we have left, I just want to let you in a wee bit on the train of thought that I, that I could not help myself but follow on through with this week in my own personal, in my own personal life. Because I began to realize that if, that, that if I'm hungering and thirsting for the things of God, it's going to affect every part of my life. It's going to affect every part of how I function. And I just felt this, this week, and it maybe it's just a personal thing, but I felt like I had to bring some of it to the church this morning. And for me, it was a personal, it felt like a fresh call to holiness. It felt like the Father was just inviting me in on this, this fresh call, this fresh invitation to holiness. Maybe that is something that is for us all this morning. A fresh call to holiness. It's one of those words, it's one of those topics that immediately get us a bit uptight. Holiness. I better sit up straight, better fold my arms, make sure I'm not sleeping. We're talking about holiness. But I wanna I wanna go to Psalm I wanna go to Psalm twenty four. Psalm twenty four. Um, go to the third verse, Kelly, please. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? 
And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Who is going to ascend this mountain? Who is going to stand in this holy place? Who of us in their pursuit of him is going to keep on going? The mountain of the Lord to get to that holy place. Who's going to go? Who's going to ascend that? Who is going to, in their pursuit of him, in their pursuit of his goodness, in the pursuit of holiness, who is going to keep on going? Who is going to get to that place with a stand before him in his holiness with clean hands and a pure heart? Psalm 84 verse 11 also says that there is no good thing he will withhold from those who walk uprightly. From those who walk with this purity. Those who walk with this pursuit of holiness. And he goes on in verse 6 to describe this, this generation. The generation that will seek him diligently. This is the generation. Those who ascend. Those who keep going. Those who stand before him with clean hands and a pure heart. He describes this generation. The generation that seek him diligently. That require him as their greatest need. Seek your face, O God. This is the generation. How we define them is that they seek your face, O God. So as I have asked myself this week, I want to ask you a question too. What did you seek more of this week? Did you seek more of his hand? Did you seek more of his arm? Or did you seek more of his face? Did you seek more of his provision? Did you seek more of what he does or what he gives? Or did you seek who he is. For me, there's just there's becoming this increasing clarity of the difference between seeking his hand. And I have. I've sought his hand this week. Sought him for provision. Sought him for for his for his goodness. I have. I've sought his arm. I've, I've, I've asked him for his arm of deliverance to heal. His arm to come and set people free. As I think about seeking his face, I thought about this last night. And, and there's a point of the evening I felt really low as I, th- as I asked myself this question. So, so confidently sought his hand and his arm, but can't think of too many times where I just sought his face. Seeking his face, is, it's, a, it's, it's an intimacy. It's intimate language. It's an audience with one. And so I want to ask you that question. I want it to bother you the way it bothered me. How, what did you seek more of this week? His hand, his arm, his face. Did you seek more of what he does, what he gives, or who he is? And I love, I love, I love, he satisfies when we come thirsty. He satisfies 
when we come hungry. And I believe, I believe with all my heart that we can be a generation like this generation thousands of years ago that would, that would seek his face. We can be a generation with a purity of heart. Be a generation with cleanliness of hands. Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 verse 8. Saying blessed are those. Who are pure in heart. For they will see God. They will see him. There's a purity of heart that's going to allow for fresh revelation. Because you're seeking his face. Those that are pure in heart. Those that are come walking uprightly. Hands clean. Hearts pure. They're the ones that seek his face. And they're the ones that he reveals himself to. Come with this purity of heart, Jesus says. And it's them that will see God. And again, as I've thought around this idea of holiness and how this challenges me, how this could potentially impact my life, I still can't get away from the language that these two ladies used in the Hebrides revival when they, said, when they got their elders together to pray with them hour after hour, right through midnight, right into the early hours of the morning. And there was a moment six or seven weeks into that pursuit of more of Jesus that there was a, a sweeping of the Holy Spirit as this, in their words. And in the sweeping of the Holy Spirit, there was an awareness that gripped us. And I, I just find that the most incredible line the most incredible quote. It's more than a quote. It's, a, it's an experience. I find it the most incredible experience. The Holy Spirit would come in such a way that an awareness would grip them. And there's something about that. Uh, there's something about that language that I want us to to think about using First Peter chapter one verse sixteen. Thirteen. You've got thirteen, don't you, Kelly? Just let me read the whole thing. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I think this whole idea of of, of holiness for me it's possibly going to make more sense when there is an awareness that grips us that we become so God conscious so whenever Peter's using I've, I've always I've almost found myself veering away from this verse it's just part of me just doesn't understand it this is this is the words of God quoting from Leviticus be holy as I am holy I am holy, God says, and because I am holy, you be holy. There's part of me cannot finds it hard to equate that. This this idea of holiness is a, it's a set it's being set apart. It's living distinctively. And I love where Peter is, where he where he roots this statement where he places the foundation of this call to the people of God. He doesn't root it in a pursuit of moral purity, 
But if you go, if you, if we were to go back to First Peter one verse three, did I give you that, Kelly? No, no problem. Um, we're born into a new family. According to his great mercy, thank you, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. This is the foundation of this, of, of this chapter, of this letter of Peter. We have been born into a new family. Verse 14, as we had up, this is, a, this is he is talking to children. We are now the children of God. He is, he is rooting this statement. He is making this, he's building a foundation before he says, now be holy as I am holy. He's saying you're now part of a new family. You are now children. God is your father. God is your father. And so then the call, be holy, because for I am holy. It's with this understanding as God is our father that this, this comes with an obligation to display the family likeness. Now that we see him as father, and it makes the whole idea of adoption as sons, the whole revelation of our, of our sonship, the whole revelation of who we are as sons and daughters, so much more important whenever we get to this call. It seems to make so much more sense when it's rooted in this understanding that we are now part of a new family, that we are children of God, that God is our father. And because he is our father, and because he is holy, we have this obligation to display the family likeness. And that's language that we used when we talked a number of weeks back in Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. That we are the family representation on earth. The family business is still in operation because, the, the, because we are still here. We are his ambassadors. We are his agents of reconciliation. To bring the hope and the message, the goodness, the grace of Jesus to a lost world. Something in this seems to make sense to me. I hope, I hope I'm making sense. When this, when there's an understanding that we're part of a new family, that we're children of God, He is our Father. Then, it, I, I can get my head around this call: be holy, be live lives set apart, live lives that are distinctive in every way. See, I, I think that when God. He called his people to this several times throughout the Old Testament. Be holy as I am holy. And I, and I believe that he was, he was calling God's people then in much the same way that he's calling us now that we would live lives that are distinctive in every way. We would so live our lives, that lives that are set apart, that it displays the holiness of God that attracts nations to find that there is blessing in him. I think that's what I think that's what was going on in the journey of the of God's people, calling them to this to this pursuit of holiness, to this living in a holy way because it was going to display the goodness of God. It was going to display his goodness in a way that attracted the nations to find that there is blessing in God. Right from Abraham. A covenant that he made with Abraham. Be holy so that all the nations will be blessed so that all the nations will be attracted to God. And the truth is, the truth is that, the, the, that people, for us living this, these lives set apart, living these lives distinctively, people will not be attracted. The nations won't be attracted to your morality. They won't be attracted to your criticism. They will not be attracted to your, 
to your judgmentalism. They'll be attracted to, to lives that are set apart. They'll be attracted to lives that are just displaying the goodness of God. And now as, as children with the family name, we live in a way that, it, that, that holiness defines everything. Now as, as, as children, as a child, as a son with the family name, I now live in a way that holiness defines my marriage. Holiness defines my, my relationships with my children. Holiness defines my friendships. Holiness defines my work. It defines my leisure. It defines my finance, finances. And you know that I love Sunday mornings. I love being together and worshiping together and sharing together on, on Sundays. But for me, increasingly, I'm coming to realize that holiness is as much, if not more, about Monday morning as it is about our Sunday gathering. That holiness is as much, if not more, about the kind of neighbor that you are as the kind of church person that you are. That holiness is as much, if not more, about whenever you have the Bible in your hand as it is when you have the steering wheel in your hand. Holiness is as much about all of that as it is about the Sunday gathering, as it is about being part of the church, as it is about when you take hold of your Bibles. And so in some ways I've always found it difficult in, in church leadership conferences or events when the, when the call has been, the encouragement from the front has been, we need to be more relevant. And I struggle with that. I've always struggled with it. And, I, and I, I find myself increasingly now being able to find language to put to why I struggle with it. Because we end up so focusing our church programs, our church calendars, our church, the message that we preach in such a way that our focus is on being relevant that we've completely ignored the call to be holy. Completely ignored the call to be distinctive, to be set apart. Completely ignored it. And the more we become like the world, the less that we have to offer. This call to holiness, I believe, is to attract people to the to our Father, the one whose family name that we bear. The call to holiness is is to attract people to his goodness, to attract people to his mercy, to attract people to his faithfulness, to his forgiveness. And I think what it also does is it brings us back to this reality in verse 22 Kelly it brings us back to this reality that we are family and mission he's on Peter keeps going on about our our purity our holiness and we have been purified are having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love love one another earnestly from a pure heart 
holiness. It, it, it affects relationships. It brings us to the reality that we are family on mission, that we are to love each other sincerely. Another thing is my version. I think it's the NIV that says that we are to love each other deeply. We love each other so deeply, so so sincerely that it is so compelling to a watching world. And we're no longer we're no longer trying to be relevant, but we're trying to be holy. We're trying to love in such a way that the, that that compels people, compels people to search. So we are saved. We are saved to be God's holy people. We are saved to be this new family. And so I suppose if I'm trying to take the last two, two weeks together, my, my call, the personal call in my life right now, live hungry, live holy. And I'm maybe encouraging you this morning to, to do the same. That maybe for a few weeks that this would just be your mantra. The live hungry, to live holy. And I also, in terms of things that I can't get out of my head, I'm just putting them all out now. But I, I was, again, I was with Dave and the guys. Um, it was so encouraging to hear a report from Dave this morning. Dave brought a group of young leaders to, up to the castle uh, over the weekend. An incredible bunch of young people. And, uh, and so to hear positive reports has been really encouraging this morning. But their, their minister, Simon, already quoted him already this morning. Here I go again. But... Um, Simon was, was, was talking through the, the, an encouragement, a challenge to the young people that he's in, involved in, in leading. And he asked the question in such a way, are you spending more time? Or he maybe worded it, are you more conscious of the world of Joey Essex or of the world of Jesus? And so uh, I'm aware that maybe some some people do not know who Joey Essex is, and I celebrate that. I say, yes, thank you, Jesus, that there's people in this room that don't know who Joey Essex is. Bridget, don't, I don't want to see that hand. Oh, sorry, oh, good, oh, good. Sorry, Bridget, sorry. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand saying that you, that you do. It was one of, the, one of those times where churches, I don't see that hand, I don't see that hand. Um, sorry, Bridget, forgive me. Uh, but I, but forget, about, forget about that. The, the, the reality is that there's other, there's other TV. It's a TV show. There's other TV shows and there's other movies. There's other distractions. It's not, it doesn't matter that it's Joey Essex. It's a thought. It's a thought that are you, are you more spending more time or are you more conscious of what is it? What is it that, what is it that as we think of hunger last week, where, where are you finding your satisfaction? Where are, you, where are you spending more time in? And I think I prefer, I think I prefer, are you more conscious of the world? Maybe that just makes it slightly easier. Because sometimes I really enjoy watching a movie. And I don't want to make anybody feel leaving here this morning. Don't, don't feel guilty if you watch a movie that lasts two hours and you have read your Bible for an hour and 50 minutes. That's, that's okay. But I'm wanting to know what 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 are you more conscious of? What are you more aware of? Are you more aware of the of the? I know it's going to sound like my dad, but I'm going for it. Are you more aware of the soaps on TV? 
Are you more aware of, of how Jesus is being revealed? Of the person of Jesus, of the goodness of our Father, of the intimacy that can be ours with the Holy Spirit. And I just think holy, hungry people won't be satisfied. Hungry people won't be satisfied with junk. And holiness is going to cause us to live so distinctively, lives so set apart as we see the world being attracted to that, that it's going to absolutely change our appetites. Our appetites are going to be completely different. We're going to become increasingly more conscious, increasingly more aware of the world of Jesus and what it is that he's doing, what it is that he's doing now than we are of any other reality. So, Paul, do you want to close us out? Can I ask you again, as I did last Sunday, would you stand and let me, let me pray for us together, corporately? Father, I pray uh, grace on everyone uh, in this room right now. A grace that will help them to understand what I've tried to say. A grace to understand, Lord, just uh, what what you're working out in me. And God, it's long that we are a people that will work this all out together. That will just collectively just pursue you. We are we are saved to be this new family. We are saved to be this family that will lay down our lives to, to, to pursue you together. That will lay down our hopes and our dreams and our ambitions to align them with your hopes and dreams and ambitions for us. Um, yeah, Father, just help us to recognize that we are sons and daughters, that you're our Father. And that your call to us as Father is to to be set apart, to live lives that are distinctive. God, I just pray that each one of us would accept and, and take on this fresh call to holiness. This fresh pursuit of, of who you are, this fresh pursuit of your face. fresh pursuit of just being with you because of who you are. You're the very essence of of love and peace. We find ourselves in that place. We we become the generation that that keep going, that make our way to the top of that mountain to stand before you in that holy place with hands that are clean with hearts that are pure and I pray I pray in Jesus name that we live lives in this way that it would attract those that we come across on a Monday that attract those that cut us off in the cars that attract those of our neighbours that don't know you God, for those that wherever we find ourselves, I thank you for your goodness, Lord, that, that there is a, 
you just are so good to respond to where we are at. We all don't have to be in the same place. And so relieved for that. We find ourselves today, we pray that you just put a, a yearning deep within us, whether it's just simply to know you for the first time, whether it's to make a fresh commitment to, to offer more of ourselves as we finish our time together, as we worship you in these last, this last moment or two, would you come and whet our appetites? There's a yearning, a deep desire within us for, for you and your ways. Bless these. Every person in, in every seat that is occupied, thank you for them. I thank you for them and I bless them in the name of Jesus your face would shine upon them.